Welcome back. It's Soccer Saturday, 107.5 FM, 1070 The Fan and the Indy 11 Radio Network. We've talked a lot of North American Soccer League on the program as per usual and college soccer with that season kicking off this week. Yeah, Major League Soccer is hitting the home stretch. Playoffs coming up a couple of months from now. And a guy that has his team certainly in the playoff chase and has his name atop the scoring list in Major League Soccer is Kai Kamara from Columbus Crew FC. Again, 18 goals. That's right, 18 goals so far this season. And Kai joins us down on the program. Kai, congratulations on a fantastic year, man. How you doing today? I'm doing good, Greg. Thank you very much for having me on the show. You have been a very good scorer in this league for a long time, but not to this level. What has made this year so special for you? Um, I got older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, uh, I'm on a good team, and I have some really good players around me, and, uh, you know, it's just it's taking time. I've done, you know, a pretty uh, fair job in a few teams that I've been on before, and I've learned from uh, different coaches, and then now it's just, you know, about that time where, you know, everything starts paying off, all the hard work is paying off. You haven't missed a, a, a full season over the last couple of years, but you have kind of bounced back and forth between playing in England and playing here in the States. How has that helped you, playing at Norwich, playing at Middlesbrough? How has that helped you now coming back to Major League Soccer full-time? Uh, a lot, a lot. It, it definitely, um, you know, it made me wiser. It made me uh, uh, more aware to my game and my strength and, and really knowing that, uh, you know, what I'm, I'm dominant at, you know, and then knowing the fact that, you know, if you're going to be a goal scorer, you have to be a goal scorer. I know I've played in uh, different positions um, throughout the years, but um, going to England, um, it was really, really good. And I enjoyed my experience over there, and I learned a lot from um, the coaches that I played under. And, uh, you know, it was just made some mecca, the mecca of soccer, and enjoying it over there. And definitely coming back to the U.S., you know, I had a goal in mind, and, you know, this was one of them you know, to uh, get a golden boot. And uh, it's a tough it's a tough race, you know, with all the other guys that I'm battling with. But, you know, I can't be, be more happier than how the season has gone so far. Well, let me just share with those that don't know the names that you're currently atop of on the golden boot list. 18 goals for Kai so far. Sebastian Giovinco, 17. Robbie Keane, 15. David Villa, 15. Longtime MLSer and U.S. national team member Chris Wondolowski with 12. Bradley Wright Phillips, who I think scored in every game seemingly last year for the New York Red Bulls. He's got 11. That That is a pretty impressive group that you're atop of. What does that mean to you, simply the company you're keeping atop that list? Yeah, it's, a, it's a great company. I mean, you know, the names that you've named, these guys, you know, either they're world-known players or, you know, like Wondolowski um, being, you know, a known um, goal scorer in the league. Um, so it's it's good company, you know. I can't, I can, I couldn't have picked any other year to be part of a company like that or lead in the group, you know, between all those guys. I mean, but hey, they're right behind me, so I'm a little, I'm a little nervous that they're coming. But I just <laughs> gotta stay focused, yeah, and uh, continue doing my job. Well, obviously, you're, you're happy to have a great individual season, but you're happier or happiest that it is leading to great success for your club. You guys are currently inside of the playoff chase in the always competitive Eastern Conference. I think third currently in the Eastern Conference standings. Just your thoughts about the season your team has had to this point? Yeah, the the season really, it's all about the playoffs and. Uh, you know, we're in a good position right now, but we can't stop. You know, definitely we want to be top of the East. You know, it makes everything a lot easier going into the playoffs. But, um, you know, we've been doing well, you know, and uh, being third. And there's, there's some games in hand, but then there's definitely other teams that, you know, want to be in the playoffs. But for us, you know, we just got to stay focused and going into the playoffs. You can do really well all season 
and uh, you know, or you can do really bad and barely sneak into the playoffs, and then uh, your season change when the playoffs starts because it's a different season. Kai Kamara, Columbus Crew, joining us here on Soccer Saturday, 107.5 FM, 1070 The Fan, and the Indy 11 Radio Network as a guy that has spent the better part of a decade in Major League Soccer. I mentioned those names that you're atop of on the list, but as a guy that's been around this league for a long time, what does it mean to have names like that and others? Steven Gerrard, you're going to see Frank Lampard this weekend with NYCFC. What's it like to have those guys playing here in the States and playing in Major League Soccer? Uh, it's it's a lot of respect, really. I respect all those guys, you know, going back to David Beckham, Thierry Henry, coming into this league and really helping this league, you know, grow. You know, I've been in the league since 2006, and uh, now I played in England and coming back and just seeing everybody that's, you know, looking forward to come play in America. You know, it's not just about the life in America. It's really about the growth of what, you know, the, the league has become. And uh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, Javinko could be playing anywhere and, uh, you know, deciding to come here at – you know, at this age, Michael Bradley coming back. I mean, the league is just growing, and I'm just really, really happy to just be back and be part of it at this time. What do the guys in England have to say about Major League Soccer? Playing playing in the Premier League, playing in the championship, then you know, the season following that, what were kind of their questions or thoughts about the game in this country? You know, there was a lot of really questions to say. How, you know, how can I get over there if I want to get over there? <laughs> say, you know, in the next five years, if I want to come over there, can you, um, you know, connect me? I said, uh, that might be too late in the next five years because it's going to be even harder to get into the league. Um, so, but they, you know, they watch it a lot and, you know, Sky Sports is showing it over there now. So everybody's watching it and everybody really respect the league a lot more. And just like, for example, you know, I heard um, um, Stephen Gerrard coming over here and he's only been here a little bit and he's saying, you know, the league is definitely different, you know, pace and talent than when, what he actually thought it was when he was outside which is obviously uh, very good to hear. Now, you talk about guys coming over here. Any interest for you going back over there? Or at this point, are you happy to be in, in, in Major League Soccer for as long as your career continues? I'm really happy to be back and be back around here, be back around friends and family, and, you know, they're able to watch me play. You know, but, you know, as a player, you can never close the door. Sure. You know, I'm just, you know, I really I want to win something. I want to not just say I've played in, in Major League Soccer for, you know, 10, 12, 13 years. But I want to say, you know, that I've won something in Major League Soccer. And, you know, that's the whole reason for me coming back. So um, that's my focus right now. And, uh, you know, but yeah, at the same time, you can never close the door to anything. Uh, before we let you go, and, and our time is, is brief with Kai because he's about to hop on a plane uh, and, and make that trip to New York City. It's cool to play the, the litany of names you're going to see play for NYCFC. But to play a match at Yankee Stadium, your thoughts about that? <laughs> it's good, you know. A lot of guys are talking about it, you know, that they're going to um, the Yankee Stadium. I know everybody wants to be there to watch, you know, baseball. But I mean, it's amazing. I mean, we're going to be playing against Pirlo, Lampard, David Villa, and those guys. And uh, the atmosphere over there has really been, you know, amazing scene on TV. So, you know, it's uh, it's one of those games. We definitely, you know, we're going in there with a good focus because it's close to the playoffs now, and uh, you know, we want to win. But yeah, it's it's. It's going to be it's, it's history. It's the first game that Christie will be playing over there at the Yankee Stadium. But uh, I'm from L.A., so I'm not really a, a, a Yankee fan. <laughs> All right. Then you guys were talking about the technical aspect of it. The field's kind of quirky, and frankly, it's short and narrow. How does that play into your game against NYCFC? You know, actually, I used to play in a, in a baseball stadium out in Kansas City yeah. before, so uh, I think I should be used to it. No, it's going to be really congested. And, uh, you know, we've been training this week on a smaller field. 
so uh, just so we can adjust to it. But no matter what, it's going to be different. It's going to be something they're used to, but we're going to be something that we, we have to adjust to in the first five to ten minutes. It might have to be that educated head I remember seeing uh, so when you scored for Norwich back in early 2013. Maybe that gets pulled from the archives <laughs> to get that 19th yeah, goal yeah. of the season. I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that. Anything I, I'll take at this point. There you go. We'll let you go, buddy. Hey, thanks so much for the time. Congratulations on a wonderful season, and best of luck the rest of the way. Thank you very much, Greg. Take it easy. Welcome back. It's Soccer Saturday, 107.5 FM, 1070. The Fan and the Indy 11 Radio Network. The Indy 11 had two representatives on the Team of the Week after getting a win and a draw in two matches a week ago. One of those guys joins us now. He's Brabuff grad, University of Louisville grad, and Indianapolis native Daniel Keller that joins us on the program. Daniel, thanks for the time. Good morning, and, and congratulations on the honor. Did you think you'd be getting that this week? Uh, it's definitely uh, been a, a nice surprise. Um, you know, I had an assist in the uh, Tampa Bay game, but, uh, you know, a bunch of our players played really well, and um, I was very honored to, to get the award. However, it, it definitely is a team award because our whole team played well in the night, and um, a lot of my teammates made my job uh, both games very easy. So um, hats off to my teammates for uh, a good week. When you signed here back in early May, did you think you'd be able to play this prominent of a role this quickly on the team? You know, um, coming in, I knew I'd be battling for minutes because, um, you know, my primary role is uh, holding mid, and I'm, you know, I was playing behind uh, Brad Ring and Sergio Pena, which are two um, great players and have a lot of experience in, in this league and other leagues. So I knew that, um, first and foremost, I had to be a good teammate and just um, you know work really hard so that when my time does come, they will be ready for it. And uh, I think I've been doing a pretty good job at that. So um, just got to keep doing what I'm doing. I generally leave the tactical conversation and the personnel conversation when we have Tim Regan in the program, but it's kind of a unique situation you're in because Sergio and Brad have been two of the better players on this squad when they have been healthy this season. And, and as obviously by your award this week, you've held your own when you've been given that when you get given that opportunity. Is there a chance that, that at least a couple of you guys, if not all three of you guys, could see the field together at some point in time this year? Uh, you know, I, I'll have to – we have to leave that up to, to Coach Regan. You know, we all trust uh, that he'll make uh, the, the decision that's the best for the team. And um, right now I'm just focusing on you know, doing what I can to make this team better and whatever role that may be, whether it's, um, you know, being a starter or, or um, you know, just working really hard in practice and being ready if one of those guys goes down again. Um, that's kind of all I can focus on, and we leave the rest up to him. I know you and I were having a, br- a brief conversation yesterday, and not many, not many professional athletes get to actually stay in the house they grew up in or at least with their parents as you're doing now. What has that experience been like for you? It's been really nice. Um, I'm definitely a family-oriented guy, and uh, you know my, my family is very close-knit. So I've I've been gone, you know, away, uh, at college for four and a half years, and it's been nice coming back home and living with the family, getting some nice home-cooked meals, having my mom do my laundry. Uh, it's definitely those are the perks of it. But you know, sometimes it does kind of feel like high school 2.0, where uh, <laughs> your parents are breathing down your neck. Um, but, but it's been a, it's been a pleasure, you know, coming back home and, um, yeah, it's, I, I have no complaints. All right. Let's talk about the Keller family tree here for a minute. Older brother played for our, our buddy, Brad Hodder at DePaul university. Uh, yes, younger brother was on the Burbuff state runner up team into a boys soccer last year. Any yep. other siblings or soccer siblings that I'm missing here? 
I have one other brother who is going to be a sophomore at the University of Evansville, also playing soccer, wow. a goalkeeper. Uh, yep. So we, we're definitely a soccer family. Um, it wasn't really a choice for us growing up. You know, uh, it started when my older brother played, and um, and we just kind of followed in his footsteps and so on and so on. And, um, you know, we just uh, we live and breathe soccer in our house. It, it wasn't really a choice. <laughs> Well, that was, and, and that's, that's, that's the next question. Okay, where did this love of, of soccer start in your family? Where did this all begin? It's interesting. Uh, well, my dad actually swam in college, so you'd think that maybe he would kind of force us to do swimming lessons when we were younger. But the thing is, is I can't really swim very well. <laughs> um, so so uh, my dad bought us a, a soccer net when we were really young. It was kind of like a multi-purpose net. Um, but, you know, my older brother, Steven, he started playing like the Carmel Dads Club rec league and I'd always go to his games kind of dream of playing um, you know at, at just any level when I was older so um, I started playing Carmel Daz Club and then ended up going to uh, Carmel United and you know my love of the game just kind of escalated from there and then um, I really actually wanted to play football when I got to be of age I think I was in like fourth or fifth grade but my mom actually wouldn't sign me up for it because it was too small so uh, that was another situation where I had to kind of play soccer by default, but it ended up working out for me in the end. And um, I think in high school is when I sort of realized that I could actually play this game at the next level. Um, I started um, ordering those soccer channels and watching games in the weekends, and that kind of continued to spark my love for the game. Um, so, yeah. With with having three that have already played in college or currently playing in college, and it appears if the fourth wants to play in college, you'll have that opportunity to play in college. Is your mom like the soccer mom of the year or something like that? That's that's she, that's a lot of miles traveled, dude. It, she it, she loves it. She absolutely loves it. Um, when I was at school at U of L, she was definitely the team mom. She was team mom for my older brother at DePaul, and her her big pride and joy is doing the tailgate um, <laughs> before the game and. Um, soccer is definitely a social event for her. She's kind of a social butterfly. So as much as she likes watching her kids play, she really likes uh, you know, talking to the other players' parents and sort of networking with them. And um, but yeah, I mean, if it weren't for my mom, I wouldn't be uh, where I am today. Just her her commitment to me um, in my career, along with my dad as well, I, I wouldn't be where I am. Now the fat guy in me has to ask this: Has the tailgating tradition carried over to the Indy Eleven? Am I missing a pretty good pregame party here? <laughs> Actually, uh, I don't think she's organized the tailgate yet, but I, she's talked about um, wanting to do that, and if she does, I'll definitely let you know because yeah. the food is to die for. All right, good good to know. And, and that, that was kind of my last question about mom. We'll get back to talking about soccer. You said you're getting meals at home. Are those meals all training table approved? Uh, most of them actually are. Um, a lot of carb-loaded meals. Um, we're, uh, we're an Italian family, so my mom cooks a lot of Italian food, which is nice. Um, so most of the meals that she cooks actually are pretty healthy and uh, good for a soccer player's diet. All right, we're coming over for dinner. There's no doubt about it. We'll, we'll work this out off the air. It's not the way the entire crowd comes, but at least me and the staff, we're coming over at, at some point in time. Give us, a sc- give us a scouting report. What are you focusing on for Fort Lauderdale this weekend? You know, it's a team. We, we've been watching a decent amount of film on them. It's a team that likes to play, and I think that we play well against teams that like to play instead of you know packing it in defensively. Um, so that will give us a chance to, to play our game and, and possess a little bit more uh, than we did against Atlanta. Um, and I'm looking for a, a good result here. Last time we went to Fort Lauderdale, we went down sort of early, but 
Um, we showed a lot of character and battled back and got a 2-1 victory. So, um, you know, right now the mood of the team is pretty good, and I, I don't expect anything less than three points. That sounds good. Daniel, congratulations on the award. As always, we appreciate the conversation. Best luck against Fort Lauderdale. We'll see you back here next weekend. Thanks so much, Greg. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. It is Soccer Saturday, 107.5 FM, 1070, the fan and the Indy 11 radio network. And uh, this dude is crazy busy. That's the case every week, but especially when it is a three-game week for the Indy 11. A game we'd rather not talk about. We'll try to acknowledge as briefly as possible last Saturday in Fort Lauderdale. A much better effort. Same result in terms of end result and zero points, but much better play it against Minnesota on Wednesday. But now back at home to challenge Jacksonville tonight. It's our buddy, the interim head coach of the Indy 11 and Tim Regan. Tim, I know have there have been in terms of results for you and the team. How you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing okay. You, you, you have to move on. And uh, it's, you referenced it just now. We lost the game seven to one. And it's the same number of points that you get when you lose a game one to zero. And, uh, they're two drastically different performances, and uh, the, the Fort Lauderdale game is is quite the story when you look at giving up an early goal, a very good goal, and then a penalty, uh, a silly mistake, and then getting a goal back and going down 3-1 into the half. And um, it felt like we started the half really well. Unfortunate to get a red card. I don't think it was a fair decision. Um, and then from then on out, uh, I make the decision to add attacking guys to push the game. We actually got two breakaways. Uh, down 3-1 and down 4-1 and thought we had a chance to at least get ourselves back on the scoreboard side of things and then we plummeted um, in terms of overall discipline defensive responsibilities people's desire to get back and do work for other guys that needed it it didn't happen and so the message to the team for the Minnesota game was let's tighten that up and I thought we did a great job disappointed we didn't get a result and Minnesota, but really proud of the effort the team put out. Well, much like the last time you had three games in a week, dating back to August 1st, August 5th, August 8th, you do see some changes. You have to see some changes in the lineup, going from that Saturday game to that Wednesday game. Most notably, I thought on Wednesday was the performance of Keith Cardona. He had a couple of jaw-dropping saves. Your thoughts about his effort and what was his fourth start of the year? It was a good one. He's a young goalkeeper, and when he gets into a game, that's his first time seeing things in the real action. Uh, training is one thing. Exhibition games are another. Preseason games. And as a young guy, he just hasn't seen enough of those moments versus uh, Christian's been seeing them for uh, 13, 14, 15 years. And so for him, it, it's always encouraging when he can make good plays. And, of course, there's some silly decisions in there, but that's the same for everybody on the field. And I was, was pleased on how he did. And, you know, even look back on the goal as a deciding moment and, uh, he does his best to, to slide across the goal, put himself into a good position, and ends up being just a good finish. How again? It's not even the first time this month that you've gone through something like this, where you're where you're, you're playing for this third time in the span of eight days. What did you try to take from the last time it happened and try to apply to this time around? The last time, the travel to Edmonton and back, and, and all those games were on turf, and we had different number of players available with with injuries and red cards and. And so the decisions then were to, to play a lot of guys in the midweek game. And uh, this one, when you lose seven to one, there's clearly going to be changes in the lineup. And there were some, and I think some guys played really well. And I think from a, from certain combinations of players, you're going to see that again tonight, but also uh, there was you know, Marco and some other decisions with red cards and, and that are a factor in the lineup. So will that change again tonight? Uh, yeah, probably there's going to be some guys that, uh, on a hot night, 
are going to have to be able to push through 90 minutes and others that might be better served to be on the bench. Marco and, and, and Eric, again, a couple of guys that didn't have the opportunity to play in all three games or didn't really have the decision made for you uh, with red cards in the last two games. And that's now four over the course of the last couple of months during the fall season when you really had none up until that point. Does that concern you at all? Is that just part of the game? Your thoughts about that? It's part of the game. Um, I think, you know, look at Eric's when he got the double suspension. That's the most controllable moment sure. where he just he reacts poorly. And of a guy of his stature, you don't expect that. The other ones, I don't think Marcos is fair. I think Corey, at 4-1 when it occurred, does the referee have to give a second? You know, I can think of plenty of moments that I'd be glad to share with the referee crews around the league that <laughs> they decided not to book a player a second time at different moments in the game when, when there was a foul that might have warranted it. And then uh, the other one was Eric. And we go to the Minnesota game and look in the 69th minute or so when Duke Lacroix rounds the corner on pitch going and going in toward goal, fouls on the referee only gives a yellow. And yet we had a play in Atlanta where Eric and Corey were standing right next to each other. Uh, the guy milks a little short pull. And Eric gets sent off. So I, I think there are subjective decisions by referees that uh, sometimes go away and sometimes they don't. Uh, but ultimately, I'm not concerned about what our team does on the field in those moments. Uh, just kind of your thoughts as to the mood and attitude of the guys right now. This this has been a rough stretch. It kind of hoped the, the Tampa Bay win and the Atlanta draw might have kind of been turning of the corner. That got squashed by 7-1 last Saturday. What's the attitude of these guys in the locker room right now? It's not as bad as you think. They're, they're pros. They, they understand there's good moments and bad moments in the season. This is a bad moment. Uh, nothing worse than what we, we felt in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, where you, know, you didn't hear a word spoken uh, because there was not a word to be spoken. And yet the response is in the Minnesota game, we're playing one of the better teams in the league with one of the best attacking groups in the league, and we defended really well. Yeah. And so uh, there was definite frustration at the end of it that we didn't come out with at least a point. And so in that way, the group is still competitive because now as we near full health, you're looking at everybody in the face saying, okay, it's you and the guy next to you. And we're not winning games, so we have to be as competitive as we can be uh, versus each other and then come together when it's game day versus the opponent. So uh, we still have that. We had it at training yesterday, and it'll continue to be that way in this group. Normally, it's me asking you the same question like five weeks in a row regarding guys like Pena and Mares. But since you said near health, I'm going to take that as you referenced it first. So the streak is officially broken from my perspective on that. Update us on injury-wise. I, I know those guys are both getting awfully close. Yeah, they're really close, and, and now it just becomes a decision of how fit are they and can they contribute in the game as a reserve or as a starter. And so in that way, they're, they're now competing directly against the guy next to them. No longer are they in the recovery mode of, of getting back to uh, post-surgery state. No, they're, they're there. They're fit, uh, not as fit as they need to be. So the decision will become uh, for tonight, uh, are they available? Can they help us? Can they get in the starting lineup? Can they go on the bench? And no, we'll see that this evening. For each of those two guys, and, and maybe even more so Dylan, even though his injury was far more recent than Sergio's, there's a lot of different players playing around them now than, than the last time they were on the pitch. What sort of process is it for those guys to kind of recognize where the ball needs to go and, and how to play with those new teammates? There will be some some definite gelling moments where we start to see uh, does Sergio play next to Brad or next to Keller, or does it go in the midfield with, with one or two attacking players? Can Zach play with Dylan? Can Marvin play with Dylan? And can they play as strikers? Can they play wide? Uh, all of those things are going to be seen in training, and that will lead us to, to make the decision on game day where they should match up. Uh, so at this point in time, you start to see them 
as they near that fitness level and training, there's a soccer element to it also where they're getting together with the, with the teammates and they're passing the ball and they're moving and they're seeing little combinations that, as you said, they hadn't seen before because it wasn't the same people. Tim Regan, interim head coach of the Indy 11, our guest. It's our 11-minute segment presented by Honda, 107.5 FM, 1070 The Fan, and the Indy 11 Radio Network. It is our only time in Indianapolis to see the lone new club this year in the North American Soccer League, the Jacksonville Armada. I know the story for them early in the year, they would give up some goals and they'd score plenty of goals. Suddenly now they seem to be a lot more locked in and focused defensively from watching the recent tape. What kind of jumps off the page at you about this Jacksonville club? Well, you nailed it right there in terms of their defending and the lack of goals they've given up, especially in the last two games. And before that, they still have a lot of high-scoring games. They win games, they score three goals, they talk Minnesota 3-3 a little over a month ago, and it seems since then that they've locked it down a little bit. They had a little slip-up in Tampa where they conceded some goals early and got behind the eight ball a little bit. But since then, they haven't gone a game where they've given up more than a goal, and in that way they're defensively much more sound. And they've also had to make a lot of changes in their group injuries, red cards, uh, form, National team duty right. this week were if, good luck trying to predict their lineup because he's going to have to make changes of players that he would normally insert. Again, Tim Regan, Indy 11, joins us at the start of each and every uh, soccer Saturday on 107.5 FM and 1070 The Fan. Coach, as always, thanks for the time, my friend. We'll see you later tonight. Thank you. Welcome back. It's Soccer Saturday, 107.5 FM, 1070 The Fan on the Indy 11 Radio Network. Normally, we're talking about who the Indy 11 are playing tonight. Not the case today. Final off weekend for the Indy 11 this season, although they'll quickly get back to action. A midweek match on Wednesday at Tampa Bay. Then the quick turnaround ahead of North Florida to take on Jacksonville on Saturday. Joining us to talk that more, it's our buddy, the interim head coach of the Indy 11 and Tim Regan. Tim, what does a Saturday look like in the Regan household with no match to be played? Yeah, well, in fact, uh, we're at the training ground, and we'll be practicing this morning. So uh, right after I talk to you, I'll go yell at some guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, after that, I get everybody a little bit of downtime through Saturday. It's not a normal situation for us. And it's one of those little things where uh, you just get to do somewhat normal things on a weekend. So uh, let the guys embrace that a little bit Saturday afternoon and Sunday and and get a little bit of work done, but also get a little bit of downtime. So much of what normally happens with a buy in sports is say, hey, it's it's a great time because you can kind of rest those small injuries and, and, and you can get some extra time away for the guys that have been hurt. I know from an injury standpoint, this is about as good as your team has been from a health standpoint all season, correct? Correct. Um, picked up a slight knock uh, for a couple guys in, in the game last week, and we'll see how they recover here uh, during the week. You know, out of a couple of guys, but still we're 95% there in terms of health. Again, Tim Regan, our guest, the 11 minute segment presented by Honda here on 107.5 FM and 1070 The Fan. Let's go back to Edmonton. What was your takeaway from that match? Let's see, similar to the week before when we played San Antonio, just disappointed in the sense that when you go out and you set a task and you try to accomplish it, the steps along the way, what do you do right and wrong? And I think all of us felt like we did a lot of things right. Were we brilliant in attack? No, but we created some chances. We were strong in defense, but ultimately what separates the game is that in a couple moments that their team is able to make the plays that puts the ball on the net. And you know, we're sitting there picking the ball up and bringing it back to midfield. So 
in that way, it was that close. And I, and I think Colin Miller had the same type of thought process after the game. His team wasn't brilliant, but they were good enough to win. Daniel Cuevas made his team debut. Your thoughts about your a first match impression uh, from the uh, left-footed midfielder? Not bad. I don't think it was exceptional in any way, but I thought he had a, a decent performance. And I said it to the group at halftime uh, when we were just going over things. I said, you know, Daniel's been in some really good spots. We haven't found the ball. And that's no fault of his own. That's more the fault of the 10 other guys. So, you know, in that way, when he did get on it, was he exceptional? No, I thought he just had a solid performance. And it, But for his first time getting into a game and for having a little bit of gap in training, and he hasn't played a lot of matches in the last 15 months, it's going to take a guy some time. Now, in the 11, on September 19th, we weren't looking for time uh, to build a player into the team. But uh, I do think he's trained really well, and I thought he, he did well enough to help us in the 55 minutes he was on the field. So often we've talked about these midweek matches. It has been trying to play three times in eight days, and that's not the case this time. Anything you really do differently playing twice in four days because you've had that 11-day break? Do you approach this week almost as a normal week because of the time you've got off going into it? Yeah, it's normal, just in the, exactly what you said. And we go into the game on Wednesday and hoping everybody comes out healthy and hoping that we have a strong performance. And depending on how that goes, it dictates the lineup for the next game. So um, we'll, we'll bring a, a big, strong group with us down there and have enough bodies to get through it and hope that we perform well and start off with a good showing at the Rowdies and set us up for a game in Jacksonville. I was going to say, let's we, we talk tactics, we talk personnel. Let's kind of talk budget. Do you take 18 guys in the trip on Tuesday and hope those 18 are the guys that then turn around and, and, and play on Saturday because you're staying in Florida? How do you handle something like that? Yeah, we've kicked around the idea of bringing a couple extra guys, which would make some sense from a training standpoint too, for the guys that don't play, that they will be able to keep themselves sharp with more bodies. And also you have to understand that injuries and suspensions, yellow card accumulation, red cards, these things happen, and we don't want to get caught. So we're analyzing that. We'll likely bring an extra body or two to make sure that we're filled for the Saturday game. One of the things that, that has been something of a constant state of flux has been pairing that guy with Dane Richards up top. You know, He's been a constant since joining the, the, the roster back in mid-July. The person playing kind of next to him at his side seemingly has changed a lot. Why has that been kind of an up-in-the-air sort of you know spot for your team, Tim? Uh, two reasons. I think, first, every time we play an opponent, we see that there are guys in the team that are best suited for that team. Yeah. And then, uh, in a second way, form. Just how they played in the last game and how they train. And with a young team, you're going to see a roller coaster ride. You're going to see guys have really good, strong showings and then disappear for three weeks. And you see that in all sports. We don't want it. Uh, we're hoping that somebody grabs it and, and holds on to it for a long period of time. But at this point, we haven't seen that. Let's see a, a little scouting here on, uh, on Tampa Bay and Jacksonville because it's really both kind of the same thing. From the last time you played these two teams, a coaching change has been made. Let's start with Tampa Bay first because you see him on Wednesday. Your good friend Thomas Rongan got removed from his spot the day after the match in Indianapolis on August the 19th. How is this Rowdy's team? Are they much different from the one that you saw about five or six weeks ago? Not too much. They're, they're the same people. <laughs> so in similar fashion to Indy 11 in June, uh, you're not looking at earth-shattering changes. You're just hoping that for them, they're a little bit more energy to their group. They're a little bit more defensively sound. And you have some individual guys who have responded to that coaching change and brought a little bit more to the team. Uh, but I don't see too much different tactically. I don't see anything drastic uh, compared to what we saw 
usually. And then you got Jacksonville, who 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 changed a large chunk of their staff. They have really been on, uh, you know, a, a bit of struggle over the last few weeks, and you're the benefactor of that with a three nil win back on September the fifth. Any idea what you're going to see from Jacksonville next Saturday? Not yet. We're going to have to take a look tonight at what the game looks like, and those two teams are playing each other. So uh, hopefully we'll see some pretty clear things there. Again, they when you make a coaching change at this point in the season, you can't change bodies. You're yeah. just changing uh, the one person in charge. So uh, do I, I think if I know Eric fairly well and knew him as a player, my anticipation is, is that they're going to be a lot tighter defensively and that, that he knows that they can attack and he knows they have quality, but he also knows what loses them games is leaking goals. So my expectation is they will not be nearly as wide open as they have been in the past. They're going to be a lot tighter defensively, and then we'll see what it, what it looks like in terms of a total 90 minutes. As you and I have this conversation, you know that you're eight points out of the last playoff spot with six matches left to play, and that could change by the time you take to the pitch on, on Wednesday night. What tack do you take going forward in terms of the rest of the season as it pertains to trying to make the postseason? Uh, push and win games. You know, it, it was no different when we were three points away. It's no different when we were five, seven, eight. You can keep giving me the numbers, but <laughs> we just need 11 guys to get on the field and, and put out their best performance, make the plays, and help us win games. So, uh, you know, my hope is that we can do that. And I think, as I've seen it in this past few days in training, and I give a lot of to this team, yeah, they're emotional. Yeah, they don't like losing. Yeah, it's been a hard few games. It's been a hard two months in terms of results, but they show up every day, and they compete, and they want to be on the field. So in that way, I look forward to the next two games. I know they're going to give a good response, and my hope is that it could be six points at the end of it. Sounds good. Again, a night off for the Indy 11. Hope you enjoy it, my friend, because uh, you got double duty coming up this weekend. Safe travels to Florida. We'll talk to you in the midst of that next weekend. Best of luck on Wednesday in Tampa Bay. Thank you very much. They actually fixed that one. Right. Right. Exactly. But too late. They already moved half the city. Uh-huh. All right, Peter, in three, two, and one. Welcome back. It's Soccer Saturday, 107.5 FM and 1070, The Fan. We are thrilled to be joined in studio for the first time in a while by season ticket holder 0001, President Czar, what have you, our buddy Peter Wilt of the Indy 11. Hello, sir. Good morning, Ray. Good to be on the show. You and I were just talking during the break about your last Wonder Indiana road trip. You do not make these with the frequency you did and because you've seen all 92 county courthouses and county seats at this point. But you went to a place that I know quite well. Grew up about 45 minutes from there. How was your visit to Perry County last Sunday? Oh, it was wonderful. Southern Indiana is so beautiful. Had the Sunday off after our our, our home game last Saturday, and had the opportunity uh, to go south. Uh, first, I uh, went to Schnellville for their sesquicentennial parade, and then down to Tell City and Canelton, Lincoln City, uh, to see uh, three of the moon trees that uh, sprang up from seeds taken by Apollo 14 to the moon and back, then planted here in Indiana. And it was a wonderful trip. I mean, just it, it was a beautiful day like we've been having all week. And it's scenic and uh, friendly folks. And uh, I, I love all of Indiana, you know, especially you see southern Indiana, those rolling hills and, um, and rivers. And, and it's just a gorgeous place that you don't always think of when you think of stereotypical Indiana. All right. Next time you go to Perry County, I'd recommend Derby, Leopold and St. Croix. We'll work on that for the next time you make it down to southern Indiana. And if you wanted to go someplace kind of far, far away in state after a disappointing result Saturday night, 
you picked a good one uh, in, in Perry County. Let's talk about last week's loss, and it, it, it really hurts the playoff chances for this team, which might have been a long shot even going into that game. Just kind of your thoughts about what you've seen from, from the team as of late. Well, that particular game was a, a tough one because I think uh, uh, Tim had a good game plan going in, basically fighting fire with fire, uh, knowing that uh, you know, Edmonton uh, plays a very defensive and, yep. and, and strong-minded uh, uh, pattern and, and doing the same thing that would prevent the counterattacks. And it did work well for the entire first half and actually had some good chances in the second half uh, before they capitalized on, on theirs with, uh, you know, frankly, as a defensive mistake on our, our part. And uh, that led to uh, the loss. And it's very frustrating. I've uh, been too many games like that this year, and we are running out of time. We have to be nearly perfect now going the rest of the way to make the playoffs. Uh, so it's, it's uh, been disappointing. How would you assess the job that Tim has done, put in a very difficult position, saw some great results early, it's been kind of up and down since then? Your thoughts about uh, his first I, I crack mean, as I, head coach? I see what he does day in and day out. He's done a fantastic job of, uh, of getting organized, uh, communicating a solid uh, game plan to the team, and uh, getting everyone on the same page. Uh, he has the respect of the team. Uh, he's, he's done a fantastic job. You know, there's so many factors and variables that go into it, and, and including execution of that that plan. And uh, and sometimes it's a referee's decision, sometimes it's luck, and uh, sometimes it's you know uh, making uh, the hard decisions he needs to make that don't pan out. So uh, that that's all part of the game. And um, uh, overall, I'm uh, personally pleased with. Uh, uh, the direction Tim's taken us. What's kind of the decision process on on, on Tim going forward? What sort of timeline is going to be as far as is he going to be the head coach? Uh, what, what what do you think? Well, I think the entire organization will take an assessment at the end of the season, and that includes the the head coaching position and, uh, frankly, my position as well, and uh, the, the entire staff. Uh, you know, we, we look at things at the end of the year. We analyze what we did well, what we didn't do well, and uh, always work to improve going forward. Again, Peter Wilt in studio with us here on Soccer Saturday, 107.5 FM and 1070 The Fan. A lot of additions during the course of the second half of the season. Um, a couple of them that are under contract and not on loan from other teams. Your thoughts about early returns on Daniel Cuevas and what we've seen from Marvin Ceballos. Yeah, talented players, obviously. I mean, boy, that third goal <laughs> that Marvin scored at home uh, a couple weeks ago was a thing of beauty. You know, it put icing on the cake and really had no effect on the outcome of the game. But it showed his raw talent, his ability, and I think it opened up a lot of people's eyes to what he can do. Uh, so that was very gratifying uh, to see. Cause we see it in training every day, uh, but to be able to put that on the field and, and show the fans what he can do is, is, is special. Uh, and, and Daniel Cuevas, you know, obviously that took a long time to get resolved. A lot of factors in that, including his team in Mexico and a couple of federations involved and uh, some health issues as well on, on his end that we had a factor in. And so it, it was gratifying to see him on the field to start uh, last Saturday. And, uh, he, you know, he didn't get the ball as much as uh, I think anyone would have liked him to, to get. He needs the ball at his feet uh, to, to have a, a real impact on the attack. And he didn't get it that much. I noted when he did, uh, he held it well. Uh, he was physical. Uh, and, and he can defend well uh, for a midfielder. So he brings some very good attributes, and I think the more he plays, the more fans will see that. A couple of guys that are on loan, uh, and so again, at the end of this season, they'll go back to their respective clubs, Dane Richards to the Red Bulls, Zach Steinberger to the Houston Dynamo. Your thoughts about what those two guys have brought to the table here in the fall? 
Uh, they've been fantastic. I mean, you know, Dane brings such great experience, professionalism, speed. I mean, that's you can't teach speed. No. And uh, and he really stretches defenses. Uh, he makes it difficult for other teams. They have to game plan for him. Uh, so that's been wonderful. Uh, you know, Zach's been terrific as well, both you know on the field and off the field. Uh, you know, he's a good character guy. Uh, you know, guys on the team really like him and. Uh, on the field, um, he controls the ball. He's, he's he's good on it. He's got good vision. He's a smart player. You, know, you don't have to tell him something twice. Uh, he'll get it done. So uh, they've both been uh, great additions to the team. Six matches left to go. And, again, maybe the, the, the final script of this season has yet to be written. We certainly hope that it has not been. Maybe not the improvement you wanted to see from year one to year two, but what are you seeing that is better about this club and this franchise than it was at this time a year ago? Well, for the club, uh, you know, on the field, I think uh, they're much more on the same page and more organized. I don't think we're giving up nearly as many uh, bad goals as yeah. we did last year. Uh, we're not always giving up the first goal of the game as much as we did last year, so we're not always chasing it. Um, you know, I, I think. It's just natural over time that you have more of team chemistry, and I think that part has built. So there's been some good building blocks. Uh, I don't think we're going to have to make as many changes in the offseason as we did last last year. Uh, and off the field, uh, excited about how the, the fan support has continued. We continue to be uh, the top attendance team in the North American Soccer League. We continue to, to pack the mic up towards 10,000 fans every game. And the, the uh, atmosphere at the games uh, continues to be really good. And, you know, full credit to the Brickyard Battalion. Uh, but I think our staff is also putting together some really neat uh, promotions that make uh, the overall environment exciting for fans. That, that Oktoberfest promotion last week was so much fun for so many people. I mean, the highlight for me was the, the Wiener Dog Parade, you know, more than 80 Dachshunds. Taking a lap on the Mike Carroll Stadium track, same track that uh, Carl Lewis ran on. Uh, I don't think he ever envisioned, uh, you know, eighty uh, wiener dogs. Probably there. at a slightly so- slower speed, be my <laughs> guess. Just a little bit slower, perhaps, with the parade. But it looked like, as always, a good time was had by all. You kind of touched on this briefly, but just to kind of go back to it. I know fourteen players came back from year one to year two, and, I, and I'm not asking you to break it down, you know, on an individual basis. You thinking kind of a similar number for, for 2016, more or less, or is it simply too early in the process? No, it is early in the process, and those decisions will be you know made obviously after the season is, is done. Uh, but you know, Tim and I have started looking at um, the roster and projecting uh, forward, and uh, the, you know these last you know, six games will will play into that. But uh, I'm I believe that we'll retain a, a greater percentage okay. this year. I think uh, you know we're not as reliant on loan players as, as we were last year. And, uh, you know, we added some building blocks uh, that have grown with us. And that gives you a veteran presence. One of the keys to winning, and I suppose it's true for any sport, any league, but more so, I think, in the North American Soccer League, is really keeping a core of the team together over a period of time because those guys get a good sense of each other. They get a, a comfort level. And uh, that translates into championships. It's you know what we did in Chicago with the fire. You get the core of the team together for three, four, five years, and uh, it, it pays dividends. What are your thoughts on on kind of what we talk about the outlook for the Indy Eleven for 2016? What's the outlook for the North American Soccer League? We know that that Minnesota is going to be going to Major League Soccer at some point in time. Not sure about what the future holds for Atlanta with MLS going to Atlanta. But we do know clubs like Puerto Rico, Miami are coming in 
lots more teams on solid ground than not in this league. What do you think next year looks oh, like? Oh, it's unbelievable. The, the, what do they say? The future's so bright, i got to wear shades. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is that Corey Hart? Or, or the no, other that one? was sunglasses at night. But you it, got the One of those idea. sunglasses. Exactly. Right. Well, it's Buck 3. Timbuk there you 3. Go. And it, it really is bright because you're right. In addition to Puerto Rico and Miami, you know, I'm going to Atlanta for league meetings tomorrow. And... Um, uh, be there for a few days. An expansion is on the agenda. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, if one or two more expansion teams are added uh, uh, at these league meetings. And then there's uh, the next Board of Governors meetings at the end of the year. And I know expansion will be on the table again for that one. There are uh, more teams, uh, more investors looking to get into the North American Soccer League uh, than ever before. And uh, it's, it's now become a seller's market. Uh, which is fantastic. Uh, the The business model is a good one, and uh, the investors are coming in are quality investors. Uh, I, I think people in the soccer world will, uh, well, certainly they should be impressed by the ones that we've gotten recently, and I think they'll be impressed by the ones uh, coming ahead. Right now there are 13 teams going forward for 16. That may change by one or two or three. So kind of given in that range, what does that mean in terms of schedule? Last year bumped from 27 to 30. How many matches are we looking at for 2016, you yeah, think? I think it's going to be similar. Uh, that'll uh, be determined um, in, in large part uh, with uh, the, the expansion uh, for 2016 uh, because you want to have as close to a balanced schedule as you can. Uh, but I think it's, it's safe to say that it will be a, a minimum of the 15 home games that we had this year, so 30 games yep. uh, total. Uh, but there's a chance for 32, 34 uh, and, and that will be ter- determined uh, uh, by November. Also exciting is that the league is working to get the schedule out for 2016 earlier than ever before. I think they're, they're cautiously optimistic that actually in November we'll be able to have uh, a schedule released uh, for next year, which would be by far the earliest ever. As a guy who's in the planning business, that's awesome. I'm enough of a nerd where I'm into those things. That's good to hear. It's good for everyone. It's more time to sell tickets. It's more time to, to plan, uh, as you said. All right, before we let you go, uh, things have been somewhat quiet on the stadium front since uh, since the legislature session ended in May. Anything new? What, what's the outlook now for the next few months as far as that project is concerned? Yeah, it's a little bit like a year ago uh, where people might have thought at this point things were quiet and not happening. But in reality, uh, behind the scenes, there, there's some uh, conversations going on. Uh, it's, it's percolating. And we'll be back in, in January and um, um, have good conversations and, and try to make uh, a proposal that makes sense for the entire state. All right, sounds good. Now, before uh, one more thing. Next time we make a Southern Indiana road trip, Please take your tour guide with you, okay? So I can show you all the – I mean, you, you have no problem finding cool places. I might be able to show you a couple more, just saying. That would be fantastic. I know we could find some uh, uh, historic Indiana gyms for sure. That's right. Thanks for the time, my friend. Uh, we'll see you at, uh, at the mic in a couple weeks. It's a deal. Thank you, buddy. Whatever works, just I'm ready for everything. Let's do it. All right, here we go. We're rolling now. Ryan in three, okay. two, and one. Welcome back. at Soccer Saturday, 107.5 FM, 1070 The Fan and the Indy 11 Radio Network. We just kind of talked about the business going forward in the North American Soccer League. We like to think that the Indy 11 are still involved in the playoff business, but it might be a long shot after losing uh, last week to FC Edmonton and being off this weekend with just six matches left to go. There will be playoffs with or without the Indy 11. And kind of talking about that playoff picture, Ryan Tolmich, he writes about the North American Soccer League, amongst other things, for SBISoccer.com. Ryan, thanks for the time this morning. How are you doing today? 
Great, great. Uh, hey, Greg, thanks for having me. Uh, really looking forward to it. Let's jump right in. All right, sounds good. There are three teams and one, well, obviously, by the league rules, they won the spring. We know they are in the New York Cosmos. But from a point standpoint, New York, Ottawa, and Minnesota, those three teams are away at this point. Let's start with, with kind of the New York Cosmos. After a very sluggish start to the fall, they've kind of kicked things into gear. Just how big of a motivational carrot is out there for them to kind of have the sweep to win both the spring and the fall season championships? When, when looking at the Cosmos, they're, they're definitely the most talented team in the league. You know, you got guys like Raul, Marco Senna, got Lucky Masana, who's having a great year. Danny Zatella is an anchor in the midfield. They're really one of the most talented teams, and their whole thing this season was getting motivated for playing at the fall. They obviously came out a little bit sluggish in the spring, but race, in recent weeks coming into this game against Ottawa, they were, they were really playing well. Obviously, this Ottawa game is a bit of a setback. Ottawa really took it to them, and I think that's one game that really sets them apart as true contenders. But the Cosmos, it, to me, are still the favorites to really go out there and get it. They have a roster that, that could go toe-to-toe with any in this league. They have weapons coming off the bench, coming in from all over the place, wings. It's really just a talented team, and I, I think at the end of the day, they're the favorites, but they still have a lot to prove going into the end of this fall season. Well, to your point, that was the midweek match on Tuesday this week, and uh, if it was a statement game... Ottawa made a statement, a 4-1 win against the Cosmos earlier this week. Ottawa out of the gates huge, frankly, in part at the expense of the Indy 11 to start the fall campaign. 19 of their first 21 had kind of been a neutral now for a while until earlier this week. Just how good is this Ottawa team and how big of a threat are they to win the championship in just their second season? When you look at Ottawa, they, they really have every reason to fail. They had they had a weak spring season. They were really towards the middle of the table. They really didn't have much going. But they come to this fall season, they start well, and then the news breaks that their head coach, Mark Dos Santos, is going to be leaving at the end of the season. And it really did look like that might have been the backbreaker that kind of ended their contendership. But then you look at this game against the Cosmos, they absolutely took it to them. They dominated that game. They got goals. They attacked. They they really looked like a team that could go out and win this league's championship. And the thing is, when you look at Ottawa, is that they have so many weapons, and there isn't one guy who necessarily stands out. Their leading scorer, Tom Heineman, he has five goals, and then from there, the whole team just kind of breaks down. you got contributors coming from all over the field. And I think part of that's what helps them, is that you never really know exactly where it's going to come from. They have a deep team. They have a team that plays together. They're a team that's motivated to show that they really can go out and win this thing, you know? The other team that we have a good idea they're going to be playing in, in November is Minnesota. And this is a Minnesota team that lost perhaps their best player during the midseason break with Miguel Ibarra going to play in, in Liga MX uh, with Leon. And now Christian Ramirez is back to the form that he had a year ago. Why was this a case of addition by subtraction for Minnesota at the midseason break? When you look at Minnesota, it, it really is it's Christian Ramirez. He is by far one of the best players in this league. He, he's an MVP candidate again for me. He's the guy who, beginning of the season, I circled and wanted to see if he could do it again. And it, it took him a while. Obviously, the spring season wasn't exactly what you expected for him. But like you said, in these recent weeks, he's really stepped up. He's up to nine goals this year. He's got four assists. And the thing is with Christian Ramirez is that he really does have pieces around him that kind of accentuate what he brings to the table. you got players like Ips and you got players like Khalifa Alassane that even though they do lose that presence in Miguel Barr, they still have veteran guys that have stepped in provided leadership and really guided this team to where they once again have another chance to go out there and get a title. Are you at all surprised at the success Minnesota has had given the fact that you couldn't blame the front office if the eyes were maybe on 2016 or 2017 or whatever that jump to Major League Soccer is going to happen? Are you surprised at all they're taking care of business here in the North American Soccer League first? 
like I said, they they have a very veteran roster. These aren't the type of guys that are going out there and, and kind of look ahead. Obviously, with MLS looming and all the things going on with stadium talks and the move, it's obviously a little easy to kind of look ahead and write off the season. But the guys on the field absolutely haven't. You have a guy in Christian Ramirez who has only looked more motivated as things have gotten further. This is a team that, like I said, they, they're veteran. They they have a strong roster, and, and they, they're playing well recently, and I think they, they really do have a chance to make some damage in the playoffs. Again, Ryan Tolmich from SBISoccer.com joining us here on Soccer Saturday, 107.5 FM, 1070 The Fan, and the Indy 11 Radio Network. Those are the three that are in, and then really it's kind of about a five-horse race for that last spot. If Four through eight, so to speak, if you got to pick one because they're all so closely bunched right now, Who's the team that you think is the last one left standing? For me, that, that's a tough one. For me, like you said, you, you have a couple teams in there that are really fighting for that spot. For me, I think that the Rowdies and Strikers are just a little bit of everyone, ahead of everyone. I think Edmonton has a talented roster, but I'm not. they obviously have played an extra game, as have the Silverbacks, no matter how well they looked in their last game after a little bit of a, a recent uh, rough spot. Yep. But when you look at the Rowdies and Strikers, I, I think they're two teams that could really go on a run. They both have a game in hand on everyone around them. So what it comes down to between those teams is I think when you look at the, the schedule, I think the, the Strikers have a slightly easier schedule going forward. The Rowdies still have matchups. They still have to play the Cosmos. They still have to play uh, Ottawa, and they still have to play Minnesota. Other than uh, two games against Minnesota, which are obviously very difficult, the Strikers do have a, a little bit of an easier schedule. So I think that kind of bodes well for them going into these last two games. By the way, the Strikers come here uh, for their only visit to Indianapolis during the month of October. And the Rowdies, that's who's up next for the Indy 11 after being off this weekend, play their last midweek match of the season. That comes up on Wednesday night down uh, at Al Lang Stadium. Tampa Bay is probably the team that has made a coaching – or excuse me, Fort Lauderdale was the team that has made a coaching change. Tampa Bay kind of the same thing where they're still in the playoff chase, yet the two of those are two of the four teams that have made coaching changes of the 11 in the North American Soccer League this season. What do we draw from the fact that over one-third of this league has made coaching changes during 2015? That, it's, it's the nature of the business. This is a success-driven business, and obviously you've definitely seen it this year, even from teams who have been successful. When you look at the Rowdies, they, they were still in postseason position when they made the change for Thomas Wrong, but things weren't going how they liked, and, and they made the change, and they're still hanging right around there. It's the way things are in soccer. It's a success-driven business, and the first one who ends up getting the target when things don't go well necessarily is the coach. Things like that happen, and it's a matter of how a team really bounces back from it. And when you look at the Rowdies, they've kind of bounced back. And it's interesting to see how these other teams are going to bounce back, especially the Armada, given that they're an expansion team and kind of jumping right into everything and now having to do it with a new coach in there. Yeah, for those that don't know, that was earlier this week. Jacksonville cleared out pretty much their entire coaching staff. And, of course, the fourth team, we know that because it happened here, that being back in Indianapolis uh, at the end of May and early June. When fans go to SBISoccer.com, what do they see in terms of North American Soccer League coverage, Ryan? Uh, we, we definitely try our best to get as much North American Soccer League. Obviously, the league is, is really reaching that high point right now with the playoffs coming. Uh, it's just an interesting interesting race right now just seeing how everything comes down to the end of this year we're we're really looking forward to seeing how this league continues to mature both on the field and off the field obviously there are a lot of moves going on off the field you got Miami coming to the league you got Puerto Rico coming uh coming into the league you got some interesting markets that are are slowly jumping into this NASL and really making it an interesting league to cover so there's a lot of storylines going on right now and there's, there's definitely a lot going on in terms of what's going on now and in the future in terms of next season Wanted to get kind of that 30,000-foot uh, view, kind of talking all things around the league. Ryan came very well recommended to us and appreciated the conversation. Ryan, thanks for, for joining us on the program. We'll do it again come playoff time. Really appreciate your time today. 
Definitely. Thank you very much for having me. Have a nice day. Welcome back. It's Soccer Saturday, 107.5 FM, 1070 The Fan and the Indy 11 Radio Network. We kick off the show the way we always do in season. It's our buddy, the interim head coach of the Indy 11, Tim Regan, that joins us now. It's our 11-minute segment presented by Honda. Tim, one game out of two so far in Florida. Hoping for three. You got the one. Overall, your thoughts on Wednesday night in Tampa Bay. The thought from the match was that it was a fair result. We were a little bit behind it in terms of possession numbers, but I think the chances we created were good, and and we took one of them well, a little bit of luck, of course, with a deflection, and the other ones were close. So hit the post, uh, goalkeeper makes a couple good saves. We're pretty pleased with that side of things. On the other side, we give up a bad goal on a set piece. It's clear to everybody who saw it, it's not something you want to see when a player ducks and there's a miscommunication. But on the other hand, we also defended well in some moments and recovered and made a couple good blocks defensively from different guys in the midfield and the back line. So to walk away 1-1 under the circumstances, we were pleased. I think I can now officially retire the combination Dylan Mayer-Sergio Pena injury question because they were both in the starting 11 for you on Wednesday night. Your thoughts about the return of those two to the lineup and, and how they fared their first time out? I thought they did really well. You're talking no game minutes for the last two or three months and for Dylan, five minutes on the field, but right. at the end of a 2-0, eventually 3-0 game against Jacksonville, not too much in it for him. So to get on the field and go as long as they did, Sergio pushed almost all the way till the end, and Dylan gave us the full 90. So in that way, really pleased with the fact that they were able to make it through that, that length of game without proper match minutes to get fit. And then, of course, the play was good too. Sergio broke up a lot of plays and some really good distribution moments. Dylan had one of our most dangerous attacking moments and also made a save to goal in the first half. So pleased with what they brought to the game. I know that Dane Richards' tenure with the club overlapped by Dylan by about a game or two, and, and maybe they played together twice uh, before then Dylan got hurt. How do you see those two playing off each other once both are healthy and both are back on the field? Well, they're going to work quite well. Their, their movement can sync together in the sense that the way Dane comes off the ball and finds different passing lanes in the channel to get on the end of things and the way he can get to the end line and cut balls back, add that to Dylan who usually adds late in the plays and, and gets around the box and gets into the box and is usually there whether he gets the ball or not is a different story, but the two could work quite well together. And then to the other injured player in terms of return as, as far as Sergio Pena, apparently there's some sort of contract where both he and Brad Ring can't be healthy at the same time. Now Sergio comes back, and now you've got Brad that didn't make the trip because of a stress fracture in his foot. Uh, update as, as to how Brad Ring's doing, and, and do you think we'll see him again this year? Yeah, we'll probably see him again. He's going to need a little time, and it's an evaluation process where let it rest and, and give it a week and then reevaluate in terms of where his pain tolerance is and, and how severe the situation is in terms of what the MRI says. But it is disappointing, as you said, in terms of not having them on the field together because we'd all like to see what we could bring on both sides of the ball with those guys securing the center of the field. But to have one is always very helpful, and I thought Sergio showed he replaced Brad quite well. The other kind of injury news and notes as far as guys that didn't make the trip, you got, you got one quick look at Daniel Cuevas two weeks ago, and now his season is done. Uh, rough injury suffered in practice earlier this week. What's the latest med medical info on him? Uh, first, really unfortunate in terms of how it happens, but uh, that's our sport, and fluky <laughs> things happen. That's exactly what it was. It was uh, just a, actually, I thought he was going to score on the play. He was starting a counterattack, and he was just surging really hard. And 
and got tackled and it went down a little funky on his leg and, and it fractured. But the surgery went really well on Wednesday. Community Health, Dr. Estes uh, completed the surgery. They, they did exactly what they wanted to do and all signs point toward a, a lengthy but usually, uh, hopefully a very good recovery. And then the other injury note, Christian Neek did not make the trip with the club dealing with an ankle injury suffered last match against FC Edmonton. Anything in terms of a long-term concern there for Christian? No, in fact, just the opposite. The theory was if we bring him with, after a week, he might be in the same place. Yeah. Leaving it home gets him a little bit more care, a little bit more hands-on. So in that way, that was a decision. Leave him at home, make sure come in a week's time that he is ready to contribute to the team again. We're talking to you kind of on the back end of a couple of days of travel and training in Florida very rarely in this sport, but occasionally in this league where you kind of get road trips like this. We're going to play twice in the state of Florida in four days. How are these two days of training in between the match dates? Oh, really light, especially for the guys that went 90 minutes on Wednesday. It was hot. It was humid. And they're, they're still recovering from a, their bodies. are still a little bit of shock from what <laughs> happened. And you had to drive across the state. It takes a little bit of time. And, and we took our sweet time getting across and saw some scenic parts of central Florida that we may not see again. But it's very light, and then the other guys are just trying to get up the speed so they can help contribute on Saturday night. That translates like the bus broke down or something along the trip. That's what I read into that comment. Did I miss something there? No, no, the bus didn't break down. It was just a nice, easy Thursday travel. We took our sweet time and made a couple of stops for – couple of small children who have small bladders, apparently. But, um, <laughs> no, we did fine. Good to hear. All right. Uh, you and I touched on this last Saturday on the show, but Jacksonville, same players, but now completely different coaching staff. What are your expectations out of the Armada uh, when you see them later tonight? If you were fortunate enough to see the win we had at home, you would have been very entertained. The number of breakaways, the number of counterattacks that we were able to take advantage of their loose defending and you won't see that. It'll be very tight. It'll be a lot more organized. Same guys, but with a new thought process. And I think they're capable of very quickly adjusting to, to what Eric wants to bring. And when I watched them last week against Tampa, they got a 2-0 win, and they didn't give up much at all. So in that way, we're, we're going to play a team that's going to be a lot more defensively sound. And yet they still have three of the more dangerous tacking guys in the, in the league. Johnson, Keita, these guys can, can make plays. And so we're ready for it, and we're looking forward to seeing what they can bring and add a million to that mix, too. We're going to have our hands full. When it comes to uh, just the, the, the calendar month we're now in, while you're away, it turned to October. Can you believe this is the last month of the regular season? No, it goes very quickly, and unfortunately for us, not enough points on the right side of the column. So in that way, we're in a pretty tough spot, and we're pushing to try to survive, but you know, depending on how you see it, it's going to take a pretty amazing run to keep ourselves in the mix all the way till the end of October. But uh, that being said, the effort's really good, and here we are in the last month. Guys are looking to, to make a strong push. Do you change anything from a strategy standpoint because you feel you got to get three points, or, or do you get in trouble when you do that? Do you just have to go play tonight's match? Yeah, every game's the same. We're always trying to win. We don't think any other way. It was, the attacking side of things, the Tampa game, we're able to put a lot of attacking guys on the field, and Hopefully we'll do the same tonight, get a bunch of guys on there that'll give us a lot of chances to score because you have to score to win. And uh, the other day we gave up a goal on a set piece. I'd like to think we prevent that and hopefully come away with a shutout. And before we let you go, now after this match, you're at home for the next four weeks. No travel at all until the end of the season against Carolina. What does a stretch that like that mean for a team, mean for the coaching staff? I think it's a welcome process for everyone get to play in front of your own fans get to train at home get into a rhythm it's a nice easy 
way where you don't have to worry about flights, you don't have to worry about the travel, which can be a little bit tedious in this league because of smaller cities and having to connect on planes and things of that nature. So in that way, we should be at our freshest and our strongest here over the last month of the season. Tim Regan leads off each and every show, led off this trip with one point in Tampa, hopefully three more to be found in Jacksonville later this evening. As always, thanks for the time, my friend. We'll catch up again next week. Thank you very much. And as we have done for the last couple of weeks, we have followed up our conversation with Tim by talking about how things are shaping up for the upcoming championship playoffs. And you can view tonight's Jacksonville Indy 11 game as pretty much an elimination game. And if they draw each other, it frankly does neither of them any good. Jacksonville does have one additional game to play more so than the Indy 11. Again, amazing to think about that after tonight, Indy is down to just four games remaining and just one more on the road. Carolina, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Indy, all at 26 points, all eight back of the final two teams that are tied for the last spot right now. That is Edmonton and Tampa Bay. Ottawa, Minnesota, New York, those teams are away at this point. Ottawa, Minnesota, and New York. And again, Ottawa five points clear of Minnesota for the fall season championship at this juncture. So you're not sure whether Ottawa or Minnesota get a home game, but you know those three plus the spring season champs in New York, you know they're going to be in the postseason. Then it's Edmonton and Tampa Bay tied for the last spot. Fort Lauderdale three points back of them with an extra game to play in comparison to Edmond and Tampa Bay. And then Atlanta at 30 points. So really the best chances come from Edmonton, Tampa Bay, Fort Lauderdale, and Atlanta. And then it will take probably 13 points, if not 15 points, for Carolina, San Antonio, Jacksonville, or Indy just to have truly a chance at that last playoff spot. Other matches this evening, Jacksonville and Indy, the only 7.30 kick. Then there's a pair of 8 and 8.30 starts for Minnesota hosting Tampa, San Antonio hosting Fort Lauderdale. Then a pair of Sunday matinees, the Canadian Derby, Ottawa and Edmonton, followed by the Cosmos hosting Atlanta. That's the other action around the North American Soccer League this weekend. We'll take this quick time out. We'll come back with, well, just more general goodness. We have that on this program. It's Soccer Saturday, 107.5 FM, 1070 The Fan, and the Indy 11 Radio Network. Welcome back for the final time this morning on Soccer Saturday, 107.5 FM, 1070 The Fan, and the Indy 11 Radio Network. We've talked a decent amount of college soccer over the last couple of years on this show, but normally we have talked to the head coaches. This is certainly a player worth talking to, both for his ability on the pitch and his story that is very well chronicled in kind of the latest installment of the I'm a Hoosier campaign by Indiana University Athletics. It is senior attacker Femi Hollinger-Jansen that joins us in the program. Femi, thanks for the time this morning. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing? Ferg, I'm, I'm good. And, uh, and, and kind of tell us about how th- this process, about uh, how you got selected to be a part of a campaign like this. Um, well, uh, this summer I was contacted by the uh, Blue Line Productions, and um, they just asked if they, uh, they could uh, do my story because um, they heard it was a pretty cool story. So I you know, went along with that process and uh, went through that whole video filming session, and uh, it, was a lot, it, was a lot, it was a lot of a uh, lot of hours, but it was definitely worth it. What, was this kind of a story that that your teammates and coaching staff were familiar with, or was this something that was pretty new to a lot of the guys that you deal with on a daily basis? Um, it, it was actually pretty new to a lot of the guys on the team. Uh, not many people knew the, you know, my whole backstory of you know, where I came from and how I got to IU exactly. 
Um, so, you know, it's pretty cool to, you know, share that story with them. And they were, they were all very excited to hear about it. And, um, I thought it was a really neat story. Adopted by missionaries and born with a deformed leg. A uh, couple of things that you generally don't hear about guys that more than likely are going to be professional athletes, as it's kind of assumed with you in, in the near future. What was the, the the favorite part of that story you were kind of able to share with the general public? Um, I, I just I'd probably say you know just my uh, my journey from you know high school to, to IU soccer. You know just the way I got got to IU. Um, you know, just the support I had with my, you know, my coaches, teammates, parents, um, and then that transition is just it's unbelievable. You know, the support I had and just uh, the amazing you know, experience I've had here at IU. Then it's just uh, just been you know life changing for me. Uh, again, uh, Femi Hollinger Jansen is our guest on Soccer Saturday on 107.5 FM and 10.70 The Fan. I got to admit to you, not normally, at least that, that I know of, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't exactly think of Bethany Christian High School as a soccer hotbed. Am I wrong about that? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, just tell us how the recruiting process worked. How would you end up at Indiana University? So, um, my dad was actually – I actually to thank my dad for getting here um, – he actually told me to sign up for a uh, soccer camp, so um, he uh, kept telling me, and I was just like, I'll do it eventually, never got around to it, and um, he eventually just signed me up on the last two spots of that U camp, um, went to the camp really not knowing where I was going to my freshman year of college, and, you know, um, went to the camp, my high school coach just told me to play the best I could, so I did that, and um, just, you know, that week of soccer, I played very well, and the IU coaches were impressed, and they um, had interest in me and contacted me after the camp was over. And that's how I got to you. And now in his senior season, so far this year in 10 matches, five goals and two assists. Who's your six wins, three losses, and a draw so far this year? Just kind of your thoughts on, from an individual standpoint, how your senior season is going. You know, it's going great. I couldn't I can be happier of uh, how it's going right now. Um, you know, five goals, can't, can't complain with that. I already tied my uh, my high scoring goal from last year. Um, so, you know, um, and, I, and the team's just doing great. Uh, you know, we had we had a little down uh, down part of the season, but you know, all teams have that, and we found a way to dig ourselves out of that. And now we're just uh, we're on that streak, three game win streak right now. We're just uh, playing some great soccer, you know, just improving every game. So it's it's a great senior season so far. With a three match winning streak going, you're probably kind of bummed to have a weekend off, right? Yeah, exactly. We just want to keep going. <laughs> uh, again, uh, conference play so far one and two. Got the win last week against Northwestern. Couple of tough losses, Penn State and Rutgers at home a, a couple of weeks ago. What, what has kind of clicked? What are you guys doing better in these last three matches than maybe you were in a bit of struggle when you went o two and one in a three match stretch? You know, we're just uh, we're we're kind of struggling with the energy off right off the bat of the start of the game, and uh, you know now in these past few games we just bring a lot more energy from the start instead of you know halfway through the game, and that's really, really helped us a lot. Um, and then also at the end of the game, figuring out um, their, their attacking pressure and just uh, figuring out, you know, the small, the small, the small things the last, you know, five minutes of the game, managing that time uh, effectively, and that's really contributed to, you know, our success. I know that it is somewhat of, of a young team, and I think I remember a stat from, from being around the Butler game. You're kind of in the top ten as far as young teams are concerned in Division mm-hmm. One soccer, what sort of leadership role now are you trying to take on? Obviously, your play on the field speaks volumes. What are you doing in the locker? And what are you doing off the pitch to try to lead a, a, a young core around you? You know, you just got to keep, uh, keep the young guys positive um, and, you know, just talk to them and let them know that's going to be all right and um, just keep their cool out there and have fun. You know, that's the biggest thing, just to have fun out there and, you know, work as hard as they, hard as they can um, and the rest will take care of itself. Um, and, you know, just uh, bring that everyday um, excellence um, 
just bringing the best the best he can do every day, which is uh, the key to you know our success here at IU. I realize you've got a couple of months of the season left to go, and hopefully longer into that with with another lengthy NCAA tournament run. But as far as pro prospects, kind of your thoughts on that, and and at this stage, what sort of feedback do you get about maybe where you're going to be playing at this time of year from now? Um, as of right now, I haven't really looked uh, much into that. Pretty much focused on the uh, the season right now. Um, but um, you know, just comments here and there from a couple of people. There, they say I can play at the next level, the MLS level, so which is really exciting to hear from uh, from people. Um, but uh, yeah, as of right now, you know, just focusing focusing on the season. We we, we kind of joke about this, and and it's almost true. You could pretty much look at any major league soccer roster, and there's probably a good chance somebody that played at Indiana University is on that roster. Do you keep in touch with many maybe old teammates or guys that have been a part of the program that currently play in MLS? Um, yeah, yeah, we actually do. Uh, we do, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, uh, Tommy Thompson, you know, playing for the San Jose Earthquakes, and then uh, Patrick Duty, a past senior this uh, past past season, um, playing with the Fire, and uh, definitely keeping in contact with those guys. You know, they're just doing a great job at the MLS level, and uh, really look up to those guys, uh, the, the success they've had at that level, and. Um, just, you know, I was wishing them the best. I, I realize that playing at the Major League Soccer level is certainly a goal. Playing it at a larger level, even in Europe, certainly could be something you're thinking about down the road. But there's a couple of IU guys that, uh, you know, apply their craft right here in Indianapolis. I realize you've played against the Indy 11 in an exhibition mm-hmm. match the last couple of seasons. Have you had a chance to come up here and watch a match yet here at Carroll Stadium? I actually, uh, yeah, last summer I was actually able to come up and watch a match. And, you know, the atmosphere there is just unbelievable. You know, the fan. The fan support they have is just, I mean, the, as some of the top fan support I've seen um, in, in MLS and in um, NASL soccer. Um, so, you know, it's just they have a great program up there, and they're just building off of it. And it's just it's just amazing to see soccer growing, you know, in Indiana like that. Again, Femi Hollinger-Jansen, senior at IU, five goals, two assists through ten games. Next time the Hoosiers are in action, they'll be hosting IUPUI. That is next Wednesday. This is their bye weekend uh, in terms of Big Ten play. League play resumes next weekend for the Hoosiers. And so I guess in one sense, having the bye this weekend is kind of nice. There's that big other type of football game that is coming up this weekend. (laughs) You're checking out Hoosiers and Buckeyes on Saturday. Oh, definitely. I'll be at the game. How, what sort of relationship do you guys have with the athletes and other sports? How many other sporting events do you have a chance to go to during the course of a season? Uh, well, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty tough to get to other sporting events uh, in season, but uh, out, out of season we get to get uh, make it to a lot of games. Um, I mean, we've got 20 other sports here at IU, and we try to make it to as many as we can. You know, just definitely trying to support all the other sports here. And, uh, we, you know, the IU family is it's a great community here, all the sports. You know, we get along, friends on – each of the different sports teams. So we always try to get out there and uh, support our friends. And if nothing else, if something doesn't go the way we hope it does at Memorial Stadium next weekend, Femi and the guys in the soccer pitch can get their revenge. That's who's up next in Big Ten play. It's Ohio State coming up next Saturday in Bloomington. And and to kind of – we talked about the video feature, the I'm a Hoosier campaign. Just literally mm-hmm. Google search I'm a Hoosier and Femi Hollinger-Jansen and, and watch the video piece and kind of read the story that goes with it. It gives you a lot of insights in, into what a remarkable story this young man is. Certainly, clearly, you watch him play soccer, you're impressed. You read and watch that, you'll be even more impressed about the person that's been representing Indiana for the last several years. Femi, thanks for the time. Best of luck going forward. And uh, whatever the professional destination is next year, we'll catch up with you then. Best of luck the rest of the season. I appreciate it. Thank you. Want to thank Femi for being part of the program. Want to thank you for listening to the show today. And as we always do to wrap things up, 
a look around the upcoming soccer action, an upcoming like just a few minutes away. 10 o'clock window time, kids. Featured matchups, City and Newcastle. That comes up on NBCSN. Sunderland West Ham on USA. The rest on the live extra package. Aston Villa Stoke, Bournemouth Watford, Norwich and Leicester. Then on NBC, Chelsea and Southampton. Three matches tomorrow, Everton and Liverpool, Arsenal and Manchester United, Swansea and Tottenham. So three pretty high-end matches tomorrow, and then it ends on kind of a high note because next weekend, it's the international break. Rooms two weekends from now. Of course, next weekend, our focus will largely be on USA, Mexico at the Rose Bowl for the right to go to the Confederations Cup two years from now. Again, that is next Saturday. Soccer Saturday about to wind down. Quick look at Soccer Sunday. A triple header of matches you can watch tomorrow. Dallas-Houston on ESPN 2 at 5. Then a double header on Fox Sports 1. Colorado, Real Salt Lake, followed by Sounders-Galaxy. Always one of the highlighted matchups every season. That is at 9.30 tomorrow night on Fox Sports 1. Good luck to the Indy 11 at Jacksonville tonight. You know all the watch party locations around town. That match kicks off at 7.30. Then following that one, the Indy 11 have just one more road match the rest of the season. Three successive Saturday night home matches, and it kicks off next Saturday night at 7.30. Get your tickets now, 685-1100 or Indy11.com. Thanks to all of our great guests. Thanks to our producer, David Deering. We'll do it again next Saturday morning. It's Soccer Saturday, 107.5 FM and 1070 The Fan. Welcome back. It's Soccer Saturday on 107.5 FM, 93.5 FM, and 1070 The Fan. The last day that we are on 107.5, we think on 93.5 and 1070, we've got you plenty covered. Now, kind of a similar transition is taking place for our friends with the Indiana Fire Juniors in the NPSL because they have the same head coach, but they're about to have a new name and kind of a new organization in news that was announced earlier this week. A partnership going forward now with the Indy 11. Head coach John Simmons joins us now on the program. John, thanks for the time this morning as always. And uh, because you can fill our audience better than in on this better than I can, what exactly is going to be different with your club in 2016? Yeah, Greg, going through a little bit of a, a rebranding. Um, we started the Indiana Fire NPSL a couple of years ago with the support of the Chicago Fire, but also the Indiana Fire Juniors uh, local soccer club here in, in Westfield, Indiana. And uh, the rebranding will be a partnership now with uh, Indiana Fire Juniors and Indy 11 um, under the Indy 11 name. So, uh, again, I think it's an opportunity for the local fans to be able to relate to a brand uh, here locally. And so we're, we're excited about the opportunity, and we're also grateful for the Chicago Fire and the support they've given us the last couple of years. What will the new name of the club be at this point, or will it change? It's going to be Indy 11 NPSL. I like it. Creative. You know, stick with what works. So you have that brand affinity. But might you be getting more than a name from the Indy 11? Might there be a player or two making an appearance for your club when need be? Yeah, you know – Tim and I haven't really discussed the, the personnel, but yes, I think there could be some players landing on the NPSL team that might eventually uh, be called up by Tim. Um, that's obviously why the Indy 11 want to, to have this relationship is to have a place for these guys to play and, 
be observed over the summer before they're brought in full full time with with Coach Regan's group. Could it be working the other direction? Might there be a chance for some guys that maybe aren't getting some some major minutes with the Indy Eleven to kind of get some run with your team as well? Yeah, the the issue is is if they're under a contract, um, the MPSL, our actual MPSL Indiana Fire now Indy Eleven group, it is all amateurs. Got it. So, um, they'll land here as amateurs, and hopefully we'll be able to develop them to, to land them into to Tim and the, and the first team. What does it mean to have that brand affiliation? And frankly, maybe even whatever other affiliation you could have, what does that mean to be associated with this group with the Indy 11? Yeah, it's exciting. They just do a great job with their media, uh, community outreach, and that's really what we were lacking and, and relying on them. You know, we're hoping to get some fans in the seats for our games. It is a high level, uh, and that's where the Indy, Indy 11 offers uh, that to us to help us on that piece. But, again, it's a brand that the people in Indiana can relate to, um, and I think that's going to help us tremendously. Does this make it easier for you to attract players here, having that direct connection to a professional club? Yeah, I think so. You look at the, the New York Cosmos and what yeah. they did last year. They actually won the MPSL. Um, and they're obviously directly related to an MPS, uh, NASL team. So I think, uh, you know, Atlanta did it as well. So I think this, you'll, you'll see other NASL teams looking to go this direction as well. I, I know that the, the guys like uh, Kyle Zobeck that I know because he played here for the Cosmos a couple of years ago in a game, uh, but played collegially at Valpo. Haji Wright, the name that came to mind. And I knew there was a relationship between the Cosmos, and frankly, they called them Cosmos B. So, so didn't know if you kind of have that streak going both ways as far as players and I wouldn't say transfers, so to speak, but uh, that is very good to hear. What just kind of your thoughts as to, you know, you start this club and you kind of latch on the Chicago Fire. What's it like having that team be literally just down the highway in your own backyard to put something like that together? Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting, just, just the whole roster and what it's going to look like. It's going to change from last year. Uh, most of our team is college players, right? So some of these guys that are seniors might get drafted, might not get drafted, might decide they want to graduate from, from soccer and, and retire and go on to the working world. So putting this roster together is going to be very difficult, and, and it starts now, and a lot of communication with, with Coach Regan on who he's looking at, and then obviously Coach Yagley, Coach Snape, and the local college coaches seeing who's going to be around the summer. Yeah, we're hoping to keep about half the roster, but it, there will be some significant roster changes. And for those that don't know, your team was very, very good. The last time we spoke with you was in August when you were playing in the league semifinals. So I'd like to think you'd want to keep as many of those guys back if possible, correct? Yes, and, and, and we've been in communication with a lot of them, and, and they were very excited about this, the rebranding and the partnership with the Indy 11 because um, obviously that gives them an extra opportunity as they close out their college careers that if they don't make it an MLS or, or USL Pro, MPSL might be a, a landing platform for them as they you know, aspire to, to be a professional after college. So again, could this be kind of, and, and you're, you're educating a soccer, soccer neophyte here, so if I ask you some, some, simple, some simple questions, you know, bear with me. But could this be a spot to where, as you just talked about, out of college, guys like, say, a Daniel Keller, Duke Lacroix, they're able to make that jump to the NASL and play immediately and do so very well. But could this be a spot for guys that are not in the, in the summer between their college seasons, but literally having graduated from college, can't latch on with an NASL team, can't latch on with a USL pro team, 
but now they have a chance to come play for you, but yet they would still retain that amateur status, correct? Correct. Okay. And, and we get a lot of great, get a lot of interest from some international players as well okay. who are hopeful to come to the United States. And again, that MPSL is a, a great platform for them to land at and aspire to hopefully work themselves up in the USL Pro and, and ASL. Again, that's why the relationship with the Indy 11, having that direct line, is attractive to players. But because you're still going to have some in-college athletes probably looking at still kind of a May, June, July into August season in 2016, correct? Correct, correct. And then obviously with the U.S. Open Cup, we've got to start looking to get our roster finalized. That's right. By, by the first of the year, January, February. And you qualify for the U.S. Open Cup because of that top four finish in the league, right? That is correct. Ah, awesome. And again, I know when I asked you in the summer, maybe your opinion as we get close to Thanksgiving uh, might have changed. Would you look forward to playing the Indy 11, or could because of the parent relationship, could you now not play against the Indy 11 in the U.S. Open Cup? Yeah, I, per USOC rules, I, I don't believe that uh, you can play uh, one of your reserve teams or another professional team related to your organization. So you're, 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 in other words, you, you can't stay at home and play. You're, you're, heading, you're heading on the road to play someplace. <laughs> we're, we're probably on the road, correct, at least for the first round. All right, sounds good. Uh, what's the website for more information? Uh, does the website change for the new club? It's just Indy11.com. They've got an MPSL tab. Um, also, there is a player tryouts uh, tab where it's they'll try out on December 19th and 20th. Um, that information is online, and we'll be looking to do a couple more tryouts in January and February inside as well. Again, might be able to find some local amateur players uh, that would be a good fit for MPSL. I know uh, we found Nago Mbang at the Indy 11 tryouts two two years ago, and he's latched on to the, the MPSL team and uh, was second-team all-MPSL last year. So. There's got to be a couple more out there, and we need to go out there and try to find those guys. All right, sounds good. John, again, congratulations. I know it was a big announcement earlier this week. Thanks for the time today. We greatly appreciate it. We'll talk to you again as, as the season gets closer in the spring. Thanks, Greg. Really appreciate it. Welcome back. It is Soccer Saturday, 93.5 FM, 1070 The Fan, and 107.5 FM today as well. Again, this is our last Saturday. We're on 107.5 going forward, 93.5 and 1070, the place where you can find Soccer Saturday every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. You can pretty much find soccer every day of the week if you have be in sport the way that I do. So, uh, public service announcement, if you're on Bright House Networks, 1438, you get it in resplendent HD. Whether you're a fan of what you see in Spain, El Clasico might be mentioned in this conversation, uh, whether it's France, whether it's Italy, or this time of year, World Cup qualifiers in CONCACAF and CONMEBOL. Talking about all of those things with Jeremy St. Louis that joins us now from BN Sport. Jeremy, thanks so much for the time this morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Greg. Really appreciate it. Hey, let's kind of start with with what happened on Tuesday. It was on your airwaves, TNT and the USA, finishing a nil-nil draw. Your thoughts about the effort, your thoughts about four points in the first two matches in the opening stages of U.S. World Cup qualifying. I think four points is a, certainly a good start uh, for the United States. I thought the, I thought the effort was there. I mean, the pressure on Jurgen Klinsmann coming into this round of World Cup qualifying uh, was intense. And so it was important for him to be able to at least get one win. It would have been nice to get two. But Trinidad and Tobago, that's a tough place to go and play. They're a tough team to play against. 
Stephen Hart, their coach, is a former coach of the Canadian men's national team, so he's someone who is certainly familiar with what it takes to qualify through CONCACAF and someone who's familiar with the United States, uh, given that he was part of the last round of qualifying uh, it, for the last World Cup. So not an easy trip for TNT uh, to go to TNT for the United States. I think uh, it's a good point for them to have. Obviously, they would have wanted the three, but they'll take the one and four points to start World Cup qualifying in that particular group. is Certainly uh, not a bad way to start things off. Now, if the last name St. Louis didn't tell you this, maybe the accent might. Uh, Jeremy, even though he's a seasoned <laughs> broadcast journalist, is a bit partial to the team a bit north of us and somebody told me that the Canadian team did very well these first couple of matches. The Canadian team did do well. Uh, they got a great three points out of Honduras and Vancouver last Friday night. That was a fantastic result, given that Honduras were the ones that knocked us out of qualifying in for the, two, for the 2014 cycle. All we needed to do uh, was get a draw versus Honduras. We went down there and got blown out 8-1. It was Stephen Hart's last game as the Canadian manager uh, after that result you certainly can't stay on as a manager after something like that happens. So it was great to beat Honduras. I was actually disappointed with the fact that they could not get the three points uh, in El Salvador. Most teams in CONCACAF, when you go on the road for qualifying, a road point is a good result. Yep. But considering the state of this El Salvador team, I mean, they have a player strike. They were playing with reserve players. If there is not a better time to beat El Salvador in El Salvador, I don't know when it is because this would have certainly been it for Canada. So I think that, yes, it's nice to have the road point, but I think it is two points dropped for the Canadian men's national team and Benito Floro. With the turnaround games coming up in the next round for each of the teams, Canada is going to have a home and home with Mexico. The game in Canada is supposed to be played in Vancouver. That's what they're talking about, playing the game in Vancouver. But there are some people that are saying maybe that game should be moved to a place that is a little bit cooler because that's obviously going to be in March, which is just the tail end of the winter. Uh, I had some people talking to me on Twitter yesterday about trying to get the game moved to Winnipeg, my hometown, <laughs> which in March, the Mexicans in March in Winnipeg would certainly, they'd have some fans that would be there for sure because they're, you know, there, there are Mexican people that live in Manitoba and the surrounding area, but it would definitely be a cold weather game for Mexico. I don't know if they would even come out of the locker room, but I think that that would be a great move, moving that game to a, a, a cooler venue that would perhaps be a little challenging for the Mexicans in terms of climate. Something about U.S., Columbus, Ohio, Mexico, Dosa Cero keeps popping back into my mind for some reason. Go with the colder climates. I, I, I get that completely as far as that uh, match is concerned. Well, the big thing, obviously, coming up today on the airwaves of BN Sport, El Clasico. Where do we begin? Well, it is a big game for both teams. We begin with Real Madrid needing to get three points in this game because of the fact they trail Barcelona at the top of La Liga. Barcelona, after they lose Lionel Messi in September, many people were thinking, all right, this is it. Real Madrid are going to take over. They're going to take the lead. That's it for Barcelona. Without Lionel Messi, they are in trouble. Such has not been the case. Neymar and Luis Suarez have stepped up. Boy, oh boy, there is not a better attacking tandem in world football at this point than these two. Barcelona have scored 18 goals since the middle of October. Suarez and Neymar have accounted for 16 of them. These two have developed a chemistry with one another that is unbelievable, and it has uh, certainly helped Barcelona in the fact that they don't have one of the greatest players in the history of the game, Lionel Messi. There is talk about whether or not he's going to come back tomorrow. That question is, the, you know, or on Saturday, pardon me, is still being asked whether he's going to be in the game today. We don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. 
there's talk of 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes. Does that come at the beginning? Does that come at the end? Does it come at Barcelona go down a goal? Does Luis Enrique decide not to play him if they get up in the game early? It's going to be very interesting to see. But one thing is for sure, Barcelona without Messi are doing just fine. On the other side of things, for Rafa Benitez, he's lost one game this year, and he's under pressure (laughs) as the Real Madrid manager. Such is the case in La Liga. Cristiano Ronaldo is off form. Gareth Bale has had a rough start to the season. Questions about whether or not Karim Benzema is going to come back into the lineup, given the personal issues Uh that he's had, and he's also been dealing with injuries. It's a very, very tasty matchup on Saturday. Well, and kind of to that point, and I realize we're kind of on the back end of the lead-up now with, with, with the match not being all that far away, what is El Clasico week like on being Sport? What does that mean for you, the other analysts, the other hosts, uh, play-by-play guys, et cetera, on the channel? What's the effort you guys put into this match? You know what? We really look forward to the Clasico because it is such a huge match. 400 million people around the world are going to watch this game, including a significant portion in the United States and Canada. We try to get as much as we can in terms of being able to bring the audience as much news and information as we can about what's going on with the teams. We have people, we have reporters in Madrid, we have reporters in Barcelona. Phil Shane and Ray Hudson were at the Clasico in Barcelona last season. They are in Madrid this week. They were actually, interesting story, they were supposed to go and visit the Real Madrid Stadium on Friday, but security forces have taken over the stadium And so they were unable to get into the stadium and into the museum. We were kind of hoping to see Ray's face when he goes into the Real Madrid Stadium and the museum. But we're not going to be able to see that until today when the game starts, obviously. But it would have been nice to have him in the stadium. But security forces are all over, you know, what's going on in Paris and certainly want to make sure that it's safe at the Bernabeu. For us, that's part of it as well. We want to make sure that we were able to, you know, reassure fans and inform fans about what's going on outside of the game as well. It's a big week for us. We really look forward to it. And, but more importantly, we hope that it's a great game, that everybody is glued to their television sets for the full 90 minutes, and they get to see a great game with us on BN Sports. Uh, and again, uh, being the English soccer nerd that I am, I appreciate the championship and the League Cup that gets played on BN Sport. I, I watch a lot of that. I clearly watch a lot of the uh, uh, whatever U.S. qualifiers end up on BN Sport. But there is so much action from – from CONCACAF and Commie Ball this this past week. I can just leave it on, on that channel and just watch qualifier after qualifier. This is a really kind of cool week for your channel. Yeah, you know what? It's a great week for us. And we uh, it, it is a lot of work because, I mean, we don't have a huge uh, staff in, 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 terms of our, in terms of our production and the things that we do, but we all put in the extra hours. We all work really hard. And for us, it's about the audience, like it is with, a, with any broadcaster. It's about the audience. You want to try and serve the audience as best you can and I think that that's something that comes through in the the programs that we put on and the effort that we put into things and the people that we have come in. We have a great great selection of analysts in-house with us. And then when it comes to weeks like this, we try to bring in, you know, outside analysts that can provide insights. And it's a very exciting week for us. Now we don't have another international break until March. So we're kind of like, all right, you know, we're all ramped up this week. We kind of want to keep the momentum going, but you kind of have to take a break and, and uh, let everybody chill out a bit. And I think a lot of people will do that next week because it's, of course, Thanksgiving. So a busy couple of weeks for us to be in sports. So some of us looking forward to the respite next week as things go back to normal. Hey, Jeremy, thanks for the time today. We greatly appreciate it. Have fun with the broadcast uh, coming up later. Thanks very much, Greg. Really appreciate you having me on. 
Welcome back on Soccer Saturday, 93.5 FM and 1070 The Fan. A week ago, the tournament trail began for the Indiana Hoosiers with a 1-0 victory over UConn. Next up, only the number one team in the tournament, the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest down in North Carolina. That is tomorrow afternoon. And joining us how to talk about it is the head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers and Todd Yegley. Todd, always a pleasure to have you on the program, and congratulations on getting to this point of the tournament. Thanks for having me. Yes, we're we're excited. Um, anytime we can spend uh, the Thanksgiving break with the team, we know that uh, you know the, the year has gone well, and uh, there's there's big games um, in, in the short order. So we're we're excited for this uh, this match. Well, last time I I saw you was the Butler match, which finished in a two two draw, and then immediately after that it was it was a tough loss to Rutgers four one at home. Since that point, your season has definitely taken a turn for the better. What kind of change for your club in late September? Well, it was it was a tough week. Um, you know, that was kind of the the a, a turning point in our in our year that week. And 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 but but looking at it honestly, we were playing pretty darn well heading into that particular segment. Uh, we just had a little bit of a flat performance the game prior to Butler at Penn State, and we lost on a on a on a restart. I thought we should have done better with. Um, and then we go into Butler, and I thought we played really well for about 60 minutes, really well, and had a 2-0 goal lead and then gave that up, and that, that felt like a loss um, at the time. And then we lose, I think, our worst performance of the entire year, uh, you know, four days following. And so that was two losses in a tie in a seven-day period, and, you know, we were undefeated head into that. And so it really – well, we lost to Notre Dame rather in overtime in the, the, the second game. But right. um, it, it was – it was a bit of a, a turning point because there were such small things that we didn't do well in those games. Um, some of them in larger pockets, others in shorter that, you know, we were three and three at that time. And we said, if we need to to be making a run at this time of the year, these things have to be cleared up, but it wasn't a panic button. It wasn't boy, where we don't have the horses or we weren't playing well. It's just, we have to eliminate these, these moments and the team, um, they responded. They knew that, they needed to do better and each week we just continued to nip out those those uh those small parts of our game and then and get better than others and um you know really was one loss and a, and a really questionable penalty kick call at home with ohio state in overtime which i thought we were comprehensively the better team and you know without that we would be looking at no loss since that game on september 20th Again, Todd Yegley, head soccer coach IU. They are taking on Wake Forest tomorrow. Indiana, the number 16 seed. Wake Forest, the number one seed. When I say one versus 16, that's not very good in terms of like the men's basketball opening round. Trust me, this is going to be a little more competitive. We'll talk more about that match in a moment. But let's kind of take a step backwards first and, and back to the beginning of the season. I want to say in, in, in preparation for the broadcast of the match with Butler, I saw a stat where you were in terms of the top 10 in terms of youngest teams in the country, but given your record, it looks like youth really hasn't been an issue for your team this year. We are young. Um, we do have some experienced upperclassmen um, that have played in some big games. Um, you know, whether that be you know Femi Hollinger Jansen, the particular that you know has played in the championship team and played significant minutes in that, and then we had some others with with Richard Ballard and Kyle Sparks and others that are in their their final year. So. Yes, we are young. We are starting quite a few freshmen. We're rotating those young players into the field. 
Um, but we have a nice balance of some experience, which you, you like to have in a team. And I think that's been beneficial for us um, throughout the season. But yeah, it's a young it's a young group, which is exciting because uh, you know they're they're playing well, and uh, you know we, we lose important um, players this year, but the the cupboard looks really nice for the years ahead. Uh, you got an important player that, that you may be without for the rest of the year. Update us. Uh, you mentioned Kyle Sparks, your senior midfielder. I know he's dealing with an injury. What's the latest uh, on Kyle? Yeah, unfortunately, we're, Kyle will not be able to to play the rest of the year with uh, with what's going on with him medically. And he's he's doing great. He's uh, he's recovered, but it, 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 we're not going to have him with us in the field, and that's that's a real tough blow. But um, I know the guys are are. You know, you, you sometimes find an extra something when yeah. you don't have a teammate that's available to help you or not with you at the time. And, um, you know, I, I think that uh, we're going to definitely miss not having uh, Kyle as part of our of our rotation. He's played a lot of minutes and scored some big goals and big, been a big part of our team. Uh, but he's with us, uh, and, 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 and the guys are even fighting more, um, even more with, without him out there. So... Uh, hopefully we'll be able to, to, to manage without Kyle the rest of the way. When you win in the postseason, you're really not in the win-judging business. You just care that you won and you moved on. But looking back, how'd you play against UConn last weekend? I thought the first 45 was very good. Um, you know, we kept a, a pretty explosive UConn team to, I believe, one or two shots, and, uh, and, and they weren't dangerous. Uh, we had them pinned in pretty good. Um, I thought our ball move was pretty good. We were creating dangerous situations from the run of play and restarts. So I thought it was very good. And, and then you kind of, you know, they, they, they play a little unconventional. They, they drop some more players deep and really try to build with numbers. And, you know, we had a one lead and um, they, they had a little bit more of the ball, but they weren't really going anywhere with it. And, and we were okay with setting our block where it was and, and, uh, and said, all right, well, you got to play through us. And so we didn't have as much of the ball in the second half. I thought this team really, really uh, stayed disciplined and, and didn't get frustrated because we usually do have a lot of the ball in most games that we play. Um, but I like the ability for this team to balance and, and to know that, you know, you can win in different ways. And we just need to get out of there with a 1-0 win. And uh, we created some other good chances in the second half. But all in all, fair result if, if you're looking at it from a, a very objective mind. And obviously for us, you know, right now it's it's uh, advancing and uh but it wasn't a fortunate advance and, and those sometimes have happened in the past this one was i thought a well-deserved win uh wake forest obviously awfully awfully good number one seed going to the tournament when scouting the demon deacons what kind of jumps off the tape at you well there, there's two things um you know, they've scored 46 goals which is in the top 10 of the country and they've given up only 11 which is in the top 10 i think both are five nationally of all Division One programs, so that to me is incredible balance. Uh, you know, we're actually very good on both of those ends, more so on the goals against. Um, we're creating quite a few with our shot totals. We're, we're in the top five of shots created. Um, so if you look at it from a statistical standpoint, the balance of this team is very impressive for Wake Forest. They have some experienced players in key positions in the center of midfield. Um, they have some very good unbalancing players uh, on the flanks. Uh, this freshman, uh, Jack Harrison, has had a, f- a phenomenal year. He's very, very good. Uh, they got a Spaniard up top who's who's very clever and has good ideas. And the other side of the field, they can do similar. And they have, you know, a, a, a really good engine with with uh, 
with Ian Harks, John Harks' son, and yeah. um, it's it's a really good team. Um, there's a reason that they won the ACC. There's a reason they've only lost two games. They and one of them being to Notre Dame, which is a phenomenal group. Um, obviously, still playing. So this is going to be one heck of a test for our team. And yet, our guys love these games. Um, you know, and, and wakes the favorites. So we're, we're coming in with a little bit different. Uh, you know, they, they have the target, and we're going to their place. I, I like. I like that sometimes because we're usually always the hunted. That's right. And, uh, <laughs> now, now we're hunting, and uh, I don't mind going hunting right now. And and my guess would be this is exactly why you play the schedule that you do is to be ready for moments like this. We do, and we tell the guys that often through the season when we when we take a hit um, somewhere, and, and 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 I tell them like let's keep perspective here. Uh, for one, uh, the, you know our strength of schedule and RPI is going to give us a chance to be where we want to be for selection time. And then ultimately, when you're in the tournament, it's a new season, and, and we can say well, we, we've played everyone that that would give us the type of quality match that you'd see in the round of 16. And I can say that, honestly, Wake's a very good team. We've obviously been watching, and uh, we, we know quite a bit about them. Um, but it's nothing that's that's out of the stratosphere of what we've seen from our, from our other opponents. Um, so this, this this team will, you know, our group will be ready. Um, it's just going to be a great college soccer game. I realize you're hoping fast. to be a – go ahead. Go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. No, it's just going to be a fast, exciting game. I think uh, it's it's going to be an entertaining game to watch um, for a fan. Again, Todd Yegley, men's soccer coach, Indiana University, our guest. Final thing before I let you go, and I realize you're hoping to be in, in career retrospective mode for your seniors or any players that might be going on to professional soccer a bit early, as happens in your program, at least three weeks from now, as opposed to right now. But I'll ask you about one just because we have you here. We had a chance to have Femi on the show uh, a, a few weeks ago. What a great career he's had at IU and, and a great senior season to this point. Eight goals, five assists in 21 matches. Your thoughts about what he accomplished in his days in Bloomington and what do you think his soccer future looks like in front of him when he's done playing for you? Well, he, he, he couldn't have happened to a nicer and more um, team-oriented young man. Um, he came here from... Um, Goshen, Indiana, obviously from from West Africa originally. The, just the fact that he's here in the United States um, and, and having this opportunity to to live a dream and and to we be part of that. Um, he's a special kid, you know. You 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 these don't come in your program every year, and that's that's him as a, as a person. And then on the field. Um, every year he's improved and, and, and made strides because he, he's an incredible uh, thirst for learning and, and, and the humility, knowing that I'm not, I haven't arrived, I haven't achieved where I wanted to be ultimately. And he does it with such a team first approach that everyone roots for him. People follow Femi and, and they root for him. Um, he's just a unique young man and he's had a very good senior campaign. And I do think he'll have an opportunity to play at the next level. Um, it's getting tougher and tougher for for uh, the college player to, yeah. to you know immediately make it into major league soccer i do think he'll get a great opportunity there and then uh you know from there opportunities will 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 happen whether it's the mls or obviously with with our different uh, pro leagues the asl and, and usl there, there'll be a place for Femi to play 
um, come next year and have all our IU fans continue to follow him and his, his career. All right, I lied. One more question. Since you referenced kind of, uh, you know, the, the toughness for the college guys to make that jump to Major League Soccer, because we're seeing some of those kids, you know, come back early in their pro careers to play in the NASL 11 and for the Indy 11. And clearly we got plenty of guys with IU ties. And the one I want to ask you about is Dylan Mares. I thought the progression he made from year one to year two as a pro was phenomenal. Your thoughts about what he's accomplished in his brief pro days here in Indianapolis so far? Well, we're really happy for Dylan. You know, he's uh, his his potential was was off the charts, and you know, he he didn't have the the, the best year that he certainly had wanted or we wanted when he was with us at thirteen, and yet um, we knew and he knew what he potentially could be capable of. And I think once he gets in into an environment where he can settle in a little bit and figure out exactly what role. Um, he can fit in with the team and, and, and have a little bit more time to, to develop that. I think that's what you saw now in year two with Indy 11. Um, he's gifted, and he's a determined young guy, and he, he, wants, to, he wants to win. He's, he's focused on being uh, a professional and, and, and doing his best, and he's a really nice young man. So I'm, I'm really happy for Dylan to have you know, kind of, the, uh, kind of a, a breakout second year um, in, in his pro career, and who knows what, what, what will lie ahead for, for Dylan. Again, Indiana takes on Wake Forest tomorrow, 1 o'clock. That is down in North Carolina, down in Winston-Salem. You can watch that match on ESPN3, the Watch ESPN app, and hopefully we'll be talking about the Hoosiers playing again next weekend. Todd, thanks for the time today. We greatly appreciate it, and best luck against the Demon Deacons. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate all your support.